On this week's show, Dover chairman Jim Parminter wonders about the future of the National League season. There were three options, two of which were involving loans, which um, had horrendous consequences for the future of all clubs. Maidstone United co-owner Oliver Ash frustrated as his team are told to stop playing. We've got no income. So to carry on playing and carry on paying and losing significant sums of money makes absolutely no sense. Dover defender Wilder Havilland delighted after his double downs Barnet massive tonight to get the win um, like a psychological factor we now go off the bottom and Kent County League chairman Gavin Hoare on their plans to possibly restart the season we await like everybody else some more clear guidance as to where we're going so that we can we can put one of the <laughs> many ideas and plans that we've got sort of in the background into action if we're allowed to Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. Another frankly unbelievable week as the six divisions we normally cover on this show are now down to just one currently playing and even the short term future of that one is very much up in the air. We'll be discussing all of that and pondering where we go next over the next hour or so. And as always, we hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know. Our Twitter is at KentNL Podcast. And I've said that now because I realise that by always saying at the end, many of you may have switched off. Uh, we're on Facebook too. Just search for Kent Only Podcast. And if you enjoy the show, please follow us, subscribe to the show and tell anyone who might be interested. You can even give us a review. We might like that as well. As always, I'm John Phipps, who has not been so long without a shave since I first started shaving as a teenager. And on the line now is a man who's enthusiastic singing down the phone at quarter past 10 on Tuesday evening. Did not go down well with my better half. Matt Gerard, how are you? Not too bad. How, how good is your beard then? Is it bushy? It's, it's getting there, yeah. I, I look a bit like a vagrant, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's getting there. Shave then? Uh, before Christmas. Well before Christmas. Are you going big with the beard? I'm just leaving it until such time as we reopen, probably, or I see my mother and get told off. But I'm just leaving it for now. Yeah. Well, scraggly, not scraggly, scraggly. Yeah. And it's got a few, alarmingly a few grey hairs in it as well, which I'm not best pleased about. But Any cornflakes? No. Not yet, anyway. No, not yet. Oh, impressive. Well, I, uh, well, I, I've never grown a beard because my wife doesn't like it. So, and I don't think I would grow a beard, so... Because um, it'll be very gingery, and and I, I'm not the most uh, manly of men, so it'll be really poor beard. Um, do you want to talk about your singing? Well, it, well, it was I, yeah, it was a result yesterday, and I said, "Oh, we're staying up, John," but um, I just got carried away because it was nice to see us win. So, um, hey, hey, was literally going, "What is that? What is that?" And I was just going, "Dover of one, don't worry, Dover of one." It doesn't happen very often. Even <laughs> no. my when I mum rang my mum and said oh, they won yesterday, oh, they haven't won. They haven't done that for a long while, have they? So she knows and doesn't know anything about football. So, uh, so that's so that's so that's pleasing. So yeah, so one, which is good, and we'll talk about that later. I of course we will. It's our 156th episode this week, and as well as being an abundant number, a pronic number, a dodecagonal number, a refactorable number, and a harshad number, is also the number of hourly gongs a clock strikes in one day. 78 in the morning, 78 in the evening. Good old Big Ben. One plus two plus three plus four oh, plus okay, five plus six. Yeah. Good work. Yeah, I once lived opposite a, uh, a clock though that did the whole chimes every 15 minutes, and that was, I tell you, that was a, such a pain, especially like in the mornings when like. I'd worked late the night before and just get woken up by it. It was just, it used to be awful, absolutely terrible. I remember I went around my mum's house when I 
of course, when you lived there, you didn't really, you didn't, you didn't sort of make notice. But when we stayed there before, they have got one of those clocks that every half an hour. And when you're in bed, when you hear this going, Doing, you really notice it. But when I lived there, I never noticed it. It's strange, isn't it? And your brain sort of switches off. It really is because yeah, so, like things. Sometimes people say, oh yeah. Like you know, oh that's really really loud, and you don't think anything of it, and it's it's really strange. You just get accustomed to things, don't you? Acclimatise, I suppose. Yeah, your brain just does it. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy thing, the brain. It certainly is. Okay, then on with the show, and the National League, of course, takes centre stage. Uh, this week both on and off the pitch when we recorded last week's show we had an inkling that the National League South season may be about to be halted and so it proved with all the games that were scheduled for Saturday and Tuesday called off as the wrangling over potential loans goes on but games in the National League Premier continued with the reason being that apparently most of the clubs in the division wanted to continue but Matt you don't think that was the right decision do you? Well I think they should have all been called off I would have thought at some stage just a bit of solidarity within the system, within the structure, what is the difference between um, a side in the north and a part-time side like Wealdstone in, the, in, the, in the, the National League? So it does seem strange. I presume there was plenty of lobbying going on by the, the, the bigger clubs in the National League. And I presume the National League is, is concerned about its arrangement with the promotion to the Football League. So that's why it continues. But for me, it does seem strange why... You know, we agree on the pause. We've we've agreed that for a couple of weeks they should pause the league. Why didn't they pause it for all three leagues? I think it's pretty strange that the main national league wasn't in there. So I, I, I just can't understand that decision. So, but again, I presume, and I'm only saying my opinion, that some of the bigger teams have said, right, we're carrying on and we don't want to stop. Well, exactly. Uh, one team obviously that did carry on with Dover. Uh, and before they kicked a ball in, a- in anger over the weekend, Matt did speak to uh, Dover chairman Jim Parmenter, member of the National League board. Um, so here's a little bit of that interview uh, from Jim Parmenter on his thoughts on, on whether the, the National League season should have been paused as well. First of all, I'm going to talk to you as the chairman of Dover Athletic in this situation. First of all, are you surprised that the National League is still playing and the National League North and South has been suspended for two weeks? Yes. Uh, I, I don't really understand the logic. I was at the meeting. Uh, it was as a result of feedback from the clubs that um, that decision was made. I think it's really just a holding position. And who, going to talk to you as chairman of the league, I don't know how much you can say, what was the main consensus from the 66 clubs on the three options? Can you say what was the most um, valid option that came from all three leagues? Um, I'm not chairman of the league, I'm just on the board. Um, there were three options, two of which were involving loans, which um, had horrendous consequences for the future of all clubs in terms of committing to the payback. And the loans were taken off the table. Loans to clubs were taken off the table by the clubs. And the league uh, directors agreed with the clubs uh, in the majority that a, a loan to the league of £11 million was not a sustainable option for the league going forward. So the, the loans are off the table. Um, the, uh, a, a number of the National League clubs indicated that they wanted to continue the season. That's the National League you're in at the moment? Yeah, yeah division, national division, if you like. Um, but... There is no understanding yet of how that is going to be financed. And if you bear in mind that money was promised um, for January, so most, uh, all but the richest of the clubs, are uh, without money for January. And the 11 million was was due to finance January, February and March, bearing in mind that the season will not finish until June. Uh, 
it's a very difficult situation to understand how uh, how the league can continue and the clubs remain financed. How many teams in the National League, uh, the Premier National League, if you call it that for the minute, want to carry on? Well, I think that's um, a question I, I shouldn't answer. It was uh, it was a, it was slightly more than half. From a you know from a Kent point of view, we've got a number of sides in the in the National League South. We're paused for two weeks. Do you think that those leagues will start again if in two weeks' time you haven't heard anything regarding financing? No, I don't, and I don't think the National League, National Division can continue uh, for more than about another week without some uh, resolution to the funding for, for clubs. Uh, at the end of the day, clubs have had the money they had, which was uh, budgeted for the end of December, and were expecting. Um, there's a difference of opinion between the FA and the National League's perspective and the government's perspective as to what was promised. Uh, I wasn't in the room, I wasn't at the meeting, so I don't know. But we were certainly under the very firm impression that if crowds weren't allowed back into stadia, then the grant situation would continue. And at very short notice, we found out uh, only what last week that the grants were not available. So clubs have been left in a situation where uh, they've continued the season believing that if they didn't have crowds, grants would be available and the grants are no longer there. Loans are not acceptable because clubs just can't afford to pay back loans and the National League is not in a position to take loans. So uh, the clubs are left with no income uh, with the prospect of trying to finish the season. And I personally, and this is me personally speaking, I do not understand how that is uh, going to be happening. There's been a lot of, you know, I've mentioned you're on the board, the board have got a criticism from a number of clubs about this, the whole situation since it's gone on with COVID. Have you got anything to say about that? Well, I think in general, 61 of the clubs have, uh, have, uh, have accepted what the, the board has tried to do. I think there's a, a self-interest group of five clubs that have uh, created a litigious um, environment around, uh, around this issue. And I think that has gone quite a long way towards meaning that the government have withdrawn the, the future grants. So um, I think it's, it's not helped the situation. And um, all I can say is that the National League have board have done spent hours and hours and hours trying to do the right thing for the league to keep it going. But at the end of the day, without funding, no football club can continue. Um, we'll skirt around that one fairly quickly, Matt. But uh, it, was, it was nice to hear the, the to in and fro in between the two of you again. I don't, you didn't listen to the show a couple of weeks ago when you went here, but me and Hody suggested you and Jim could do some sort of sitcom together. Oh, you think so, really? All right. We, you know, all right. we, we thought it'd be something a bit like the odd couple, you know, because the thing is, is, whenever I listen to you interviewing him, um, it always sounds like at the end of every question, he's trying to walk away and that you're following him. <laughs> uh, to be fair to him, he, 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 again, he has had a bit of criticism from this and um, and he's always up for an interview from where it should be. So um, I, I, can, I have to always uh, give it from that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe I am sort of pu- pushing him a little bit. So, um, yeah, interesting times from what from what he said in that. So, um, <laughs> do, what, do, well, yeah, ask your opinion there. Do you think all three leagues should have stopped? I don't, I don't know really because I think if if the will of the national league clubs was to play, then I, I think they kind of done the right thing. If if what they're saying, the majority of the clubs in the national league are saying we want to play, then play as far as I'm concerned and if the majority of clubs in North and South are saying we don't want to play then don't play and I think obviously there's different there, there are different pressures and, and bits and pieces like that but I, I can see both sides I can see the reason why Dover played at the weekend but I can also see why you might think that it should have been paused and it's it's a nightmare because as you're about to hear 
no one really knows what's going on and I think that's that's part of the issue isn't it yeah I, I think that's we're just going you know it, it was a bit went a bit quiet for um, a couple of days didn't it the last uh, recently what was going on now they've come out about the grants and the other league getting uh, sorry the older Ryman below are getting um, grants and now now it's going to be loans in the other week but if you've got if you already are in trouble, we will see if we can give you money. So it's a real strange one. Um, I presume some of the we haven't really seen much from the, the sides who are going to pause it. The haven'ts and the slows they haven't really come out with this. But I presume by at least early part of next week, the south and the north are going to say, yeah, we're carrying on. But if there's no if you're looking at that with no physical money coming in, unless you do it yourself, fill out forms. I, I can't believe it's going to continue, surely. No, that's the thing. That that is is the 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 sixty four thousand dollar question, I suppose. Um, one of the most vocal critics of of the system, even before this uh, this loan thing was suggested, was Mason United owner uh, co-owner Oliver Ash. And earlier on today, I caught up with him uh, before the interview started. We were discussing the news that had been announced today, and as you'll hear, he even found some stuff out while we were having our conversation. Uh, so I spoke to Oliver Ash, and I started by asking him his thoughts about the decision to suspend the National League South season. Um, well, I, I guess the um, immediate thought is it's probably the right thing to do. I mean, people say, well, it, this is a debate about finance, but you can't take your eye off the fact that the reason we're in all this stuff is because of the, the health crisis. And, and make no mistake, it is a crisis, although, you know, hopefully you and, and, and us and all the people we know are safe. But there's a lot of um, a lot of mayhem going on. and It's very, very bad. So, you know, to suspend the season, some would say it should have been done anyway, regardless of the problems of funding. But given the fact that there is no grant funding available, when most clubs would have reasonably thought there, there would be, uh, that's kind of the message we, we were given back in October. There's no income coming in from fans. There's no grant income. We've got no income. So to carry on playing and carry on paying and losing significant sums of money makes absolutely no sense so it's not a debate that we've had um, that i've had with with terry you know the last day or so but we talk regularly and it's a, a kind of an agonizing debate because we, we we all want to carry on playing football if we can but personally i can't see how we can as of uh, wednesday we've just been discussing that, that they've now announced that there'll be grants for lower steps than you uh, and loans for steps one and two, uh, but with a grant funding option if the, a club can prove that they're in real danger. Uh, the, the government have said they don't want to see football clubs going to the wall. Uh, with everything that's gone on with the grants and, and everything like that, how do you feel about that, that sentiment? It's a great sentiment. Um, how it's backed up is another matter as, as, as we were saying before um, we, we started this this interview um, we don't know exactly how and where you apply it's just a statement it's a media statement at the moment you know we've already provided extensive figures in September to the National League prior to the first uh, distribution of funding we went recently to the National League with more figures showing the deficits we had thanks to the first funding and we were told there's no money left anyway so that felt like a bit of a waste of time so you know we're a bit battle weary to go again to say look we're we're 50 grand a week short a month short um so but i guess if that's the offer we'll have to investigate and, and um, make application yes do you think the season will definitely finish i have no idea 
no idea at all. I, th I think that if we don't have grants available now, I mean, the, the prospects of the sort of health situation being significantly better in time for the season to finish normally, I would say it looked pretty slim. Uh, not impossible, but pretty slim. Um, and as I say, my guess is that faced with no grants, most clubs, particularly in the North and South, um, we, we've had less money made available than in the, in the first division. Most clubs will say we can't go on. It just makes no business sense, whatever, whatsoever, to continue uh, in these circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, we did think, we did churn over an idea that potentially you could suspend the league for three months, furlough staff, uh, start again in, in, in May, June and July and finish the season in May, June and July. You probably get most of the season in if you play twice a week uh, and then you can do a points per game method. Rest in August, pre-season in September and then you start again in October the way we started this season but with prospects of hopefully finishing it um, in the normal time and getting back to normal in 22 rather than 21. So you know, there's all sorts of ideas and many good ideas coming from the um, the, the good, the good people around, the good, the intelligent people in lots of clubs have uh, got great ideas, but I've no idea how it's going to pan out. Is it one of those things where I, I felt personally last year that decisions were made too too quickly, and then obviously it was changed a bit in the in the National League South? But I think we, we can we're not in a situation in January where we need to be making all these mass decisions. Are, are, are we? Can we wait and see where the land lies? I mean, they're saying now another six weeks and the schools will be reopened. So realistically there's no chance of crowds until at least then so, so should we should we wait should we do what's just been suggested there well we i guess i guess if you suspend the season for however many weeks during the during the suspension um you know clubs will have uh, a chance to furlough staff so they'll certainly reduce their costs they, they they may still have um we may still have other costs to pay you know you've still got the the fixed cost that you can't do anything anything with. Some clubs like ourselves will have other staff. Um, we'll have other activities. Goodness knows what we do with other activities, academies, and, and, and in our case, pitch hire. Probably that's all on a standby. Um, so there'll still be losses. So it, it, it may be that it's untenable to sort of suspend in, into the unknown and keep making losses. Some clubs will say, look, that's just not tenable. So it, it is, it's a really difficult shout, but... Um, Yes, it, it, it may make sense. As I said, it's certainly an argument for saying you can go three months with a suspension and still have a chance to finish the season if all looks good in, in May. But is it realistic to think that in May the season will start again and we'll have enough crowds that clubs will still be able to function profitably or not too unprofitably uh, with no grant money? It's, it's, it's a very difficult one, very difficult. Does the FA Trophy complicate things for you as well? Because that's supposed to be your next game, I think. And and all the way through, those things have just carried on, the FA competitions. I, I have no idea. I'm sorry. It's, it's like one of, these, one, of these, one of these fail interviews where the, the interviewee always says, sorry, I don't know. But uh, I have no idea with the FA Trophy because it, it is, it's now, you know, we, I think we're due to play in two weeks' time or three weeks' time. And if there's nothing in between... Um, we may be furloughing staff in that period. You can't expect them to keep match fit. It may be that that, that clubs are sort of not just us, but our opponents uh, just literally 
warming up the day before and going and playing a match the day after. I don't know how we can do it, to be honest. Again, it just doesn't make any financial sense. But it's so difficult to make financial sense of this season. In any case, it's so difficult. Running a football club is hard enough anyway. But now with all these unknowns, and of course, there is, you know, every, every one of us clubs will have certain sponsors that will be will be chucking in the towel, others that will be loyally helping out because they love the clubs and, and not, not so worried and maybe continuing to support. We've all got season ticket holders who've paid money. Some have had money returned, some are hanging on in there. We may have to refund the, the, that, that money. It, it's all very, very difficult to plan ahead. So we, I think probably, I can't speak for, for any of the clubs, the other clubs, let alone all of them, but I think you know, the general sentiment is if it's at all possible, we'd like to continue. But if it means losing money, which no normal business would do, and it puts in jeopardy the future of the football club, it would be madness to do so. And it may make sense in football terms, in financial terms, and in, in general health terms to, to just pull up, put down the shutters for a, for a while. And, and, and um, you know, if we can't play the FA Trophy, you know, so be it. I suppose it's one of those things as well with the, with the FA Trophy is we were discussing this on the show last week. It, if you got to Wembley, it would be such a, a, a double-edged sword because no one would be able to see it. And I think part of the joy of ever getting to Wembley would be seeing all those Maidstone United fans there, wouldn't it? It would be if it were possible, yeah. But I mean, they haven't played last year's final yet, have they? No, they haven't. So, um, you know, the prospects of all the fans turning up in, 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 in May, it, it is, who knows, it might be possible, but it just seems unlikely given where we are in the health situation i mean i, I don't have the full knowledge but i, I read and, and, and see what's going on that you've, you know it's past a hundred thousand deaths and it's above i think 1200 dead a day at the moment and it's a massive problem it ain't going away anytime soon so it really is a it really is a, a, a shit show and, and i'm not sure it's all going to be hunky-dory in may so of course we'd love to be you know, get, getting to Wembley and all the rest of it, but we can't. You know, we, you can't. If gambling on that would be like gambling on any other football scenario, where you gamble the future of your club because you think that if you spend money on players, you might succeed. It, it's, it's, I believe, a foolish gamble. Now, we. I've just seen in my emails. There's an email sent out this morning by the National League saying that uh, the. Um, the February the, the February fixture should carry on as normal. Now that's that's a message which um, is a strange message. It says that the fixture should should continue normally on the sixth of February. So you might think that message is suggests that they've got grant funding. Uh, I'm not sure it does. It's a very strange message because we're all in we're all waiting for a debate about whether we continue the season when the National League tell us if there's any prospect of, of any other finance sources or not. Um, but that's a strange email to get. It just shows you how difficult it is to make plans because you get some quite confusing communications from, from the National League. Having said that, there's been a, a lot of debate as well about what happened back in September or October about between the National League and the DCMS and, and uh, complaints that you know we were promised grants would continue through the year and whose fault is it? Is it the National League? Is it the DCMS? So... That's an interesting one as well. But I, my gut feeling, and we don't get any transparency or information from the National League, as, as, as you know, so you have to guess. But my view is that probably there was enough said at, the, at those meetings by the, the DCMS to give the National League people enough hope that there would be some support or that 
life would get back to more or less normal in January. I think back in September, October, we were we could all be hopeful that fans would be back in the stadium in some form and in some numbers by January. You know, it hasn't happened, but it, it doesn't seem to me, from what I know, unreasonable that the National League could hope and expect that there was a chance that clubs would be back to normal um, and that perhaps the DCMS had said, look, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've every hope that um, funding may be available and that the National League took that as being a bit more than was actually said. So that's why we're in the position now where clubs a little bit up in arms saying hang on you promised us nationally you promised us funding grant funding we're now started the season we've triggered all our contracts and now you leave us high and dry so um it's interesting to speculate but as i say the transparency of the national league is is um is woeful at the best of times and and, and we just don't know they hide so much from us and just finally obviously the, these are tough times is, is everything going to be okay at Maidstone is it, it the future still moderately bright I guess it's it's had an effect on on other things away from from the the on pitch stuff but you've always been a, a really well run club so I guess you're just hoping you can ride out this storm and, and look to a brighter future yeah I hope we do and I hope all, all our fellow clubs do because we we you know we're all in this together and we want to have the the league thriving as soon as possible with all with all our clubs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, every everyone's dealing with it in different ways. We've we've got to deal with. There's a big financial shortfall. I mean, we've lost uh, just in terms of what we should have got in terms of grant funding had the grants been distributed according to what everybody knows they should have been, including the independent review committee chaired by one of the most respected people in football had had their distribution allocation method been used as it should have been uh we wouldn't have lost something like one hundred and ten thousand pounds that we've, we have a shortfall of so we we've used a lot of our reserves to cover the gaps we've got we've had great support from our season ticket holders and from our sponsors uh, and we are very grateful for all of that we're all mucking in to try and keep going so it's very tight it's very tough um we, we haven't yeah we haven't uh, got all this way in the last 10 years since we opened the new stadium to to fold but it's it's tough and money is now getting very short and, and and we've got some difficult decisions to take but no i'm confident we can we can ride out this as long as it doesn't get worse and doesn't go on for too long uh, interesting chat there oliver ash always speaks well really nice uh chap as well uh but he's saying that maidstone are being expected to prepare for fixtures as normal in February so that tells you that this is just a, a short pause get our house in order and get going again whether you like it or not so what was the point of the pause then hmm. well I guess the point of the pause would, would they would look at it and this is what I said on last week's show was let's get ourselves into a situation whereby we know exactly what the state of play is and everyone can make a clear decision on on what path they want to do rather than just carrying on um I thought Oliver Ash made some really good points in there I look don't dislike the idea of a three-month pause, see no, where no. we are in April and try and finish it and then start the season again in October. That can be done. Well, I think that's quite a wise decision, to be honest, on that basis. Um, I presume all of this, again, we've said before, it goes up the chain and down the chain, isn't it? If the Football League... I suppose, I suppose we could we'll work before they started early. You could do that. Then... I, Start in April, finish the season, then everything else will be seen. And then you join the season again when everybody joins together. I suppose the Football League goes forward. The National League should have finished. Yeah, that makes a wise decision on that. Again, I can't see any crowds coming in before May, is there? So that's the main conjecture. I presume 
the interesting line, as we mentioned before, the Concords of this world and the t- Slows, who definitely didn't want to play, w- do they have to play or will they be forced to play? Maystone have said their thing, they want to carry on, and rightfully rightfully so, and I think Oliver Ash came up with some very good points in that interview. But uh, the teams that didn't want to play, are they going to have to be forced to play now? Well, there, I mean, there is there are possible sanctions, aren't there, of points deductions if they don't play and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, so, some of these clubs may have to make a decision, and, and this is where it's really difficult. But is the fact that they're now being told, well, if you are destitute we won't see a club go under. Does that help matters? And also if the leagues below are going to be paused and there's going to be no, are going to be null and void and there's going to be no relegation, then does that change things? You know, could a, a, a team decide, right, well, you know, we're just going to wipe out our playing budget, play whatever we can play the kids for the rest of the season. If we lose every game, it doesn't make any difference. Is that the way they're going to end up going? I think that is a concern for certain clubs that they may physically do that, I think, um, on that basis. And, and Mike, the only concern on this, well, again, I think we mentioned this before, this money that they're missing there is till the end of March, isn't it? So 11 million, approximately. Yeah. What Nobody seems to have mentioned what happens to the money for April and May, which could be 7 million. So we're only worrying about to the end of March here, aren't we? Yeah. My concern is the, the follow-up from money from there. And again, clubs will, as he mentioned there, Oliver actually, they filled in forms after forms after forms to get where they are now. So again, filling out another form, which may be to a different person who hasn't dealt with you before, may be a bit of a bind for some of these clubs as well. And will they think about doing that? Um, and interesting to see that clubs won't go destitute. So can you go to the thing and say, can I have half a million pounds, please? Or are you setting to where you should have? So I, I, I think I keep thinking there should be a more of a longer pause and and finish the season. That's been my part from from day one on this. So wouldn't the league look bad if they said to Slough, Slough said I'm not playing, and they said right we're fining you a thousand pounds. And Slough say well that's pretty pointless because we haven't got the money to carry on. So it's just all a bag of the National League, again, hasn't come out of this with much credit. They need to make a statement from this and saying, right, this is what we're doing. We've had an agreement with our clubs. I can't believe anybody's position would have changed in the week or so since we've had it by this time next week. So it just seems a bit strange again. Well, could we have another two-week pause for everything from there until clubs get there in order? It's just absolutely crazy. It's uh, interesting, interesting. Oliver, the, Oliver Ash read an email uh, while we were having that conversation, and I actually have the text of that email in front of me. Uh, it says, Dear all, following on from the below statement from the general manager, fixtures were halted from Friday the 22nd of January for a two-week period up until Friday the 5th of February. This means National League North and South Cubs will continue as normal with these scheduled league fixtures on Saturday the 6th of February and beyond. Uh, the Concord Rangers chairman, Ant Smith at ChairCon on Twitter, uh, very vocal on this. Uh, and he is the person who's put that uh, email up and he ca- has captioned it. The arrogance and ignorance is shameful. Just an instruction to get on with it. The clubs need to stand together on the issues of testing and funding. Uh, plenty of people have responded to that. Uh, Dave Anderson, uh, well-known name in long league circles, said this is the equivalent of when you're a kid and you ask your parents why and they answer because we said so. 
which is a, an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, someone else says clubs are being told fixtures will indeed resume a week on Saturday. Don't worry about your overheads, paying your players or anything like that with no money coming in. Just man up and get on with it. Uh, and and I can kind of understand that the, the, the frustration people have got there because nothing has changed. Like you say, in the week since it was announced, absolutely nothing has really changed apart from the government have said, well, if you're really skint, we'll help you out. And and yet the clubs have just been expected to prepare as normal. Um, and that, that's an official announcement gone to the clubs, is it? To the from this. That was an email so, sent. My theory then that's been a waste of two weeks where they probably had to pay the players, and so why did they stop it if they were going to? Uh, it, it just bemuses me um, completely, uh, and I. Honestly, don't know what they're going to do because clearly Concord aren't going to play, are they? Not by the sound no. of things, no. No. So, um, this is. I don't, I, again, I think the league should continue. If they have a pause and have to start in May and try and finish it, be it. But again, contracts, we've discussed that before as well. I, I'm just bemused how they can do it. I'm clearly the National League wants to, the National League, the Premier, wants to carry on, but a majority of the National South and North want to stop, and that's why we've had this pause. The pause seems a complete waste of time if they're just being told to play by the league. It's just like a winter break, a mini break for them, isn't it? That's all I can see, but nothing would have changed on that apart from the statement saying it's definitely not going to be um, Grant. So, um, I'm, I'm just bemused, unless clubs have been certain clubs are putting pressure on clubs to play and the league is now showing that but I'm a bit bemused John to be honest we never get anywhere here are we no and Ant Smith the chairman of Concord has also put on uh, I'm going to describe this as passive aggressive but he's put a poll on his Twitter page which uh, if you were just uh, thinking about this with under any other normal circumstance you think oh this is just an interesting conundrum but very clearly um it's related to something else uh, the question he states simply is if you started employment and it included a company vehicle with fuel would you pay for the fuel if the company suddenly said it isn't paying um which i'm guessing is a direct uh thing towards the the exact situation that he and his club find himself in and, and Concord Rangers, you know, they're, they're a, a small club. They've got a, a small stadium. Um, they aren't the best supported team in the world yet. They've been at this level consistently for several years now. They, they had the Cowleys and everything at their club. And Ant Smith is a man who has run that football club absolutely superbly. And you can understand where he's coming from, can't you? Yeah. And he's probably turned, you know, they have got to Wembley in the trophy haven't they so arguably he's probably turning down a trophy final for his club which at Wembley Stadium be it in front of five people be it in front of 50,000 people is from that for his commitment saying we cannot continue to play so and pay the players so I, I can see where it's going and I'm, he's the vocal one but there may be other 20 chairmen from or owners of football clubs in the north and the south who are feeling exactly the same um, there might be, I don't know, there's certain one in the National League who feels the same as well. So and I think there's more than one in the National League, but not many from what I can gather. So um, clearly the National League, National League Premier wants to, they don't want to upset their football league thing. The National League South and North, 
Concord could play me and you up front if they wanted to to carry on the league. They wouldn't do very well. No, no but well, but yeah, exactly. But that's what he could do that. But again, it's the commitment and the other overheads as well, and the travelling of Concord because they've already got to play to Bath and all these places they've got to go to. So I can fully understand that. Um, but clearly, it will be a farce if you've only got ten teams willing to play in the south and they carry it on. Surely. Oh, absolutely. They can't do that, can they? No, and interesting as well is um, obviously last season the National League finished on points per game and then they did the playoffs separately yeah. from that. So I, I don't well, understand it. Say, can you do right points per game? Right. End the season now, right points per game, what it will be, and teams will be promoted, etc. like that. If a National League thing, can you have points per game when Welling have got 31 league games to play? That's the million dollar question, yeah. isn't it? So. Um, I did read somewhere, I think I said on one of the pods, I read somewhere that somebody said, if you've played seven games, they could have points per game. Right, so yes, you did mention that, yeah. I read, I read that in the non-league paper when I brought it, so maybe you can. Um, uh, so maybe that maybe that could be what it be. That, that I presume that somebody will say, points per game, we came back in July last time, we'll come back in July again. So I presume there will be a... a a branch of clubs will say, right, we'll do points per game now then. The thing is, either way, something's got to be done. It's got to be thought of fairly quickly and it's got to be communicated well because almost every single time we speak to a club, they say that the communication they get from the National League leaves a lot to be desired. And ultimately... As, as, as a bona fide member of the press, John, when you see their press statements, press releases, and you've written some and you've been sent some, what do you think of their statements that come out? Well, they're very, um, they, they don't give a lot away, which is okay. perhaps understandable. But I always remember, and this is, you know, this is a few years ago. Um, but when I worked at, um, at what is now Reach, but it was local world at the time, we always found the National League impossible to get hold of from a press point of view. I don't know if that's changed, if that's improved. Um, but I, I always got the impression they didn't actually have a press person. And it was all just being done from from the top. So I look at it and I think that I'm not surprised when I hear that the clubs are not getting much feedback because I don't think the journalists are getting it either. And, you know, I'd rather see an Isthmian league who, who, you know, send stuff out and engage a little bit. You know, you look at their social media and they, they don't. It's just the facts or clips and whatever that there's no engagement there's no look at this is what's going on let's you know they're not trying to involve anyone if it feels to me like the national league has always been a little bit of a closed shop from that way and and i think that what i hear from from clubs that's probably fair yeah and maybe this from the national league after this is all over and maybe they all look at their how they how they are run i presume i know a lot of people are asking for the board to resign and well, I think I asked Jim Parman to the question I don't know if you played that clip the criticism of it and sort of he sort of batted that away but um they haven't come out of this particularly well and I'm sure there will be a, a root, root and branch they do in football terms to, to see where they go and to sort it out but I do think they need to have a look at themselves um professionally to see where they go from here and maybe make their communication a little bit better but it's going to be a big week for the National League the next week or so um let me check the fixtures. Who are Concord Rangers? Concord, Concord Rangers. Yeah, Rangers. Who are they supposed to be playing next Saturday? Let me get that up. Bear with me for a second. 
John, when we find that, going to be find out the fixtures. I know, I know uh, match postponed have... due to FA Trophy involvement, but they're supposed oh, to be at home to Tumbridge, Tumbridge Angels on the 9th of February. So, um, and of course, that's the other question, as you mentioned in that interview with Oliver. So, Maystone United, well, well clearly they will be playing, because Hornchurch have played two games since November, and they've all been in the trophy, haven't they? So, yeah. That, that game's going ahead, isn't it? So Maystone, I'm sure, will be playing on on the sixth on the sixth of February, even though if their league hasn't. So um, yeah, interesting time. What, where, yeah, I suppose even the people we need to get on about this is Tunbridge Angels now, isn't it? Because they're the only Kent side we've said who are quite happy not to play, apart from the obvious one. Um, and where where do they stand now? It'll be interesting to see what their thing is. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but I presume you need an answer by at least Monday, Tuesday next week, don't you? Of course, yeah. Game on Saturday to arrange that. I see Ebsley and Dawkins had a friendly against each other yesterday. See that as well? I did see that. Yeah, very. I, I thought that was very interesting in, the, in, in his times. But uh, that shows that obviously Ebsley and Dawkins are both keen to carry on playing. And you know, if you, if you feel that way, then I suppose it makes sense to play a game, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, even if you if you are, um, I presume you're paying your players, so you want to get some something out of them as well. Get keep up the fitness work, so. Yes, um, we've been going on for this nearly 10 months now, John. <laughs> Will we finally get an answer next week? No. Um, I've got honestly no idea. Uh, no. I, I expect the main National League to continue. Um, from what I'm reading, maybe North and South, maybe we could have a bit of a break and what they go from here. But um, yeah, I've got, I've got absolutely no idea. And it's a, it's a real farce. Um, and the National League, if you look at it over the years as well, you know, with teams getting chucked out of AGMs and various things, it doesn't really surprise you. No. On the pitch, Dover were beaten at home by Solihull Moors on Saturday with Matt's new hero, Carl Hoodlin, among the goal scorers. Uh, but they moved off the bottom of the table with a 3-1 win over Barnet on Tuesday night. They were leading 3-0 at the break. Was your phone buzzing when it went 1-0? I was be pleased, is it? How did no, you it, wasn't, it wasn't actually. I, I, I kind of was... Um, caught up doing other things and, and I, it was about about half time I was like oh Dover are playing I must see how they get no that doesn't make sense 3-0 up that's ridiculous so no yeah so um, uh, carry on mate I intercepted you then that's fine uh, Matt's spoken about Dover's issues up front many times uh, so defender Wilder Haviland showed the way with two goals on Tuesday night and as well as earning him three points earning the chance to be interviewed by a genuinely thrilled Matt Gerrard at the final whistle. So here is the two-goal hero. Have you ever scored two goals in a game before? Uh, I have actually, yeah, at Maidstone. Um, yeah, it was some, one of them was a header and one was a decent goal, actually. But t- tonight it was just two tap-ins, though. They felt pretty nice for me. We were saying that we haven't had much luck in the penalty area for that, but it fell for you today. And the first one, I think it was a, a header back from an own defender. Good save by the goalkeeper, right time, right place. Yeah, I was, I was saying, uh, I think we've been playing well the last four or five games, but things haven't been falling for us. Um, and, you know, with my two goals, they've, they've fell nicely for me, just in my path. Uh, and I think that was a difference tonight. Things were actually going for us today. I think you did a bit of a disservice. I think the second one was, was quite a decent finish. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the second one. I just sort of spun and hit it. Um, it was better than the, the first one. It was about two yards in the first one. But, yeah, yeah, it, it's decent, but it just fell to me nicely. And how important was that win for us? Like I say, you mentioned seeing the performances. The performances have improved over the last few weeks. I don't think Dover had much luck as well recently. Yeah, yeah. It was massive tonight to get a win. Um, like a psychological factor. We now go off the bottom um, and we've got a chance again to catch Yeovil on, uh, on Saturday who are 
the team outside the relegation. So if we if we back it up with a win Saturday, they're huge. Two results, huge results. Yeah. What do you think? Um, and again, second half performance. Well, being a defender, firstly, how bad were the conditions out there? Have you played in a game like that before? Honestly, it's the worst conditions I've ever played in my life. The the pitch was unbelievable. It was hard to even run, let alone kick the ball. Um, so cr- credit to our boys for how we dug in because, um, yeah, it was very tough out there. Again, you must be because when they, Barnett got one back with half an hour to go, we're in the commentary box thinking, oh, it's going to be tough now. But David seemed to grow into it as the game went on as well. Yeah, I think we, once the goal went in, we, we started to get back on top. Um, and, you know, we were spinning the ball in behind uh, pretty well. Uh, and our, our strikers, Akeem, Addy, were running their socks off. Um, and they were, they were getting down the sides of them, which helped us as a team get up the pitch um, and stay high and apply pressure to them. What about yourself now? Again, recovery. Will you ache tomorrow after those conditions? How do you recover from something like that? Yeah, I definitely ache because it, it takes a toll on your legs when, when you play on a pitch like that so heavy uh, on your calves and stuff. So, yeah, I'll just have a down day for next couple of days, hopefully, and then be ready to go Saturday. And how important is it being off the bottom of the table? Yeah, massive, massive uh, psychological lift. Um, you know, just to swap places with them. Um, and hopefully, like I say, we can go to Yeovil and apply more pressure to them because that's what we've got to start doing, applying pressure to the teams above. Uh, that previous brace from Wilder Havilland was also on a Tuesday night in January uh, in a 4-2 Maidstone defeat to Maidenhead. Uh, obviously a good time for him, Matt, but it doesn't sound like it was much of a spectacle uh, thanks to the weather at Crabble. But I also guess you don't care about that. Uh, be fair, Dover, Saturday against Solihull with my mate Carl Hoodlin, who's only 20, I'll keep an eye on his career. He, he, bit raw, but I liked him. I think he'll do all right. We're moving on. Dover played pretty well, I thought. Did they deserve anything from Solihull? They did 1-0 maybe, but on Tuesday they came out of the blocks in atrocious conditions. It was constant rain. If you can see the highlights of it on the um, Dover website, uh, the... Uh, thing from there the pitch is in absolute bits and it was like a mud bath in the 70s but David were first to the ball completely and played some good football the, the low knees the keepers come in he looks okay and the two good strikers they've got in ever they've got um Hanson and Ranson uh, the centre half and the midfielder are really good so they David deserved that the performances have improved over the last few weeks and to be fair Barnett were pretty appalling and if you can find Tim Flowers' interview after the game, it's quite entertaining, but basically he criticised his players constantly. But it was a win for Dover. We're off the bottom of the league, so it, it was good. And I'm pleased for everybody because it hasn't been the greatest year so far. But um, I'm pleased for Andy Hessenthaler because, you know, I think um, it's been tough for him over the last few weeks and he, he was genuinely delighted at the final whistle. Uh, a a Barnett fan did say uh, Dover are by far the second worst team in the league and they stuffed the worst team in the league, which kind of sums up uh, the malaise around the hive at the moment. Um, but De Havilland popping up with, with two goals there, both tap-ins by the sounds of things as well, Matt. Um, but you, you just need that, don't you? And, and I suppose you say Andy Hessenthal are delighted, but the confidence must be up now f- from, from that result. Yeah, I think the confidence had come back the last few years. The performance against Solihull was good. The, the endeavour's been there. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And they, they had a bit of luck as well. They haven't had much, much luck this season. And I, I thought the, um, yeah, the luck, they had a bit of luck, you know, failed to have them right place, right time to win the space of a minute. Barnett 
haven't got much confidence. You, there was nothing in the squad. They reminded me when Dover got stuffed 5 0 by Aldershot and Woking. You know, when the goal goes in, everybody looks at each other and doesn't do anything about it. They they looked in the malaise there. And Dover's got a bit of confidence. And I think the Loneys have boosted the squad because, that you know, they're on up in their career. They all play better levels in the National League. And that's brought the um, quality and um, endeavour of the other players up. So, yeah, I'm absolutely pleased. There's still a long way to go. And big game against Yeovil at the weekend. But if they can get a point there um, from there, because they need to stop the rot away from home. But... Yeah, it's a long way to go and I'm still thinking we're going down, but um, it's a win which pleased a lot of people, I think. And even though there wasn't anybody there, it was a few delighted faces. You mentioned the goalkeeper, uh, young Webber, he's, he's come in and, and you said that um, they needed something and, and obviously he's, he's helped out at the back. Yeah, yeah, he's very vocal, uh, good with his feet, good with both feet, which is, is which is good. And he, and he seems a brave goalkeeper. So under 18, keeper at... Palace or under 23 keeper. So um, compared to Smith, who had them from Arsenal, he's, he's a, couple, a couple of years older. You could see he's two years further along in his development. So his decision making was good. So um, pleased with that. And, and Hanson and Ranson are good. I expect them to have good careers. And particularly, um, and it's good to see um, Hanson, who is a Dover boy, um, went to the grammar school. So um, he's playing for his local team. But he's got one of those people. I'm not really used to it. As soon as he gets the ball, John, he doesn't take a touch. He passes it. You know? Oh, wow. It's, you know, when I play football, when I used to play football, it took me four touches to control it. But he's one of these players who gets the ball and then pings it straight away. So I think, um, and, and on Dover's pitch, which is terrible, that's quite an effect, quite a thing to do. So, um, yeah, he looks a good player as well. So, yeah, really, yeah, it's no doom and gloom. If we'd have lost the Barnet, I'd be on my knees now. But we won um, and, and, and we're looking up. You know, could it be the last game of the season? Probably not. But we'll go again. But what does happen if, if the other leagues go and then Dover could play me up front? If there's no relegation, what do they do then? Well, exactly. Interestingly, before we move on from Dover, I'm on a well-known website um, which has listed a formation, not just a team list for, for Dover Athletic last night, uh, but it has listed a, a, a 4-4-2 formation. And I'm going to suggest they've got some of these positions wrong, OK? Does this um, website um, begin with a B and end in a C? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? I did see it the other day because they've got something new now. They have got the formations in. Yeah. So do you want to know the Do you want to know the Dover formation on uh, from last night's game? Yeah, go on then. In goal was your man Weber. Yeah, correct. Four across the back. Yeah. Uh, De Havilland at right back. Right. Ep- Epketeta centre half. Correct. Alongside Akeem Rose. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, with Gobert at left back. All right. Uh, midfield four of Sam Wood on the right. Yeah. Right. Hanson and Gregory in the middle. Gregory's all right. Uh, Ransom uh, wide left. Good luck to see him down there. And then up front, Musa and Aziz. All right. Interesting. I don't know where they've got that from. No. Go to transfer market because they do really good formations. I think the BBC okay. should outsource that one from there. Uh, they may well have done, yes. Um, but there you go. Um, Bromley still struggling at home, uh, beating 2-1 at home by AFC, AFC Halifax on Saturday before letting a two-goal lead slip to draw 2-2 against Woking on Tuesday. They're on the cusp of the playoff places despite being 14th in the table because they're only two points behind Solihull in seventh. But surely, Matt, Neil Smith knows they've got to start improving at Hayes Lane if they want to stay there or thereabouts. 
What's their home record this season? I can't believe Awful. they've got many. Beat Dover, of course. Must well, yeah, <laughs> that's a given. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 when I saw the tune up again, I, thought they, I think I said in the commentary at the time that yeah, they needed that to the, the home hoodoo. But getting caught back with two goals by Woking must be a real blow. If their home form was as good as their way, they would be challenging Torquay. It's interesting from that. I, I did speak to, to Mash, who's been on the show before, and I said, oh, what's wrong with it? He said, oh, we're just set up to be solid at home and they haven't got that attacking threat. They haven't got that inclination and start sitting back and they've been hit on the um, hit on the counter-attack and, and lost it from there. So it's a bit disappointing for, for Neil Smith. So yeah, I think they, uh, yeah, a bit, bit, bit hit and miss season so far for Bromley, I think, because had some good results and then not doing it at home is not good. No, they've got the fifth best away record in the whole uh, whole division. Six games away from home, unbeaten, 11 goals for, uh, four goals against. And I can really give no more damning uh, assessment of their home form than to say that they're just below Dover Athletic in the home standings. Uh, Dover with 10 points from nine games. Probably have only got nine from their 10. Uh, two wins, three draws, five defeats. And what will really worry Neil Smith, 17 goals conceded at home. Only Dover and Weymouth have conceded more goals at home. And Mash saying that they're setting up to be solid, that's not working, is it? No, it's not. It's interesting, yeah. I think um, you'd have thought with their 3G, maybe, again, Bromley's fans could make a difference. We mentioned about fans here because they're pretty vociferous in their support of the club. So maybe they're, they're feeling the effects away from home, at home, and not having their supporters there. So, um yeah, they've got to sort that out. Neil Smith will know that. Um, when that cup competitions both at home as well. So, just, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. So, they need to sort that out. Yeah, just very quickly, actually, Wildstone have also conceded more goals away from home uh, than Bromley. And, and for that matter, Dover, 20 they've shipped in eight games, but they won four of them. Uh, so I'm sure they're probably not as phased by that. Uh, Bromley at home again on Saturday, an order shop visit, tea time kick off that one. Uh, Dover are at Yeovil on Saturday. And then on Tuesday night, despite having three trillion games in hand, Dover don't play while Bromley are on the road. Tough test for them up at Notts County. Sorry, I was rearranged. So that was the why they're not playing. Right. OK, that's fine. Fair enough. Uh, there's not a lot to report from, from the Isthmian League, but I did hear uh, on the non-league show that um, the non, Northern Premier League chairman said it will take a week or so to chase up the clubs who didn't respond to the survey. Now, call me naive, but the survey sent out to members of the Trident Leagues is, is surely pretty darn important. And yet some teams haven't managed to respond. That's insane. Apparently, 99.1% of the clubs at step three and four have responded and 95.8% at steps five and six, which is obviously high, but still really not not high enough when, you know, this is really important. Surely everybody should have been like, well, that's the first thing we'll do is get that survey back, no? Yeah, you would have thought maybe it's gone in people's trashes and they don't know how to get it out. But that's, <laughs> yeah, you would have thought, right, unless everybody said, have you, have you looked at that form? No, have you looked at it? And there's... <laughs> Well, no, one of those sort of things. But yeah, you would have thought that would have been, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> I answer that. And what's the Northern Premier League saying? Are they expecting 
to expunge, are they? Or They're just waiting it? to see what happens. They say it's going to be another week or so after that as well, just to, to decide all the options. So a couple of weeks' time, we should have the uh, the information there. Now, as we just discussed before, what happens at the top obviously has a knock-on effect further down. And that's definitely true for our next guest. Now, we don't normally cover the Kent County League, not because we've got anything against it, but more because we had to draw the line somewhere. But earlier this week, they released a statement indicating that their clubs want the season to resume if it is possible to do so. That felt to me like a great opportunity to get the inside track. So I caught up with league chairman Gavin Hall to talk about it all. What we, what we were actually asking for was, was there an appetite to play if we were allowed to do so in a safe and just manner? So what we didn't want to do was spend hours and hours working out fixtures uh, for clubs only to find out that the clubs really weren't interested in playing. So that's really what the survey was for in its first instance, just to see if there was an appetite to play. So, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that it's, you're definitely going to restart because that there is a like a possibility that it just won't be possible. Uh, that's that's quite true. At this point in time, it, it really is out of our hands, and we we await. Um, like everybody else, some more clear guidance as to where we're going so that we can we can put one of the <laughs> many ideas and plans that we've got sort of in the background into action if we're allowed to. It may completely be taken out of our hands and the county FA or the FA may say, that's it, it's over. How challenging has all of this virus been for you as a league? Oh, unbelievable. Um, I've got to be honest, this is my second season as chairman of the league and I've yet to complete a season which is a bit bizarre to say the least um, I, I have a great team my, my team and I um, we've, we've, we've kept as best we can on top of things, we've tried to keep the clubs fully informed of, of where the position we are in the league we understand the frustrations because it's frustrating for us as well as administrators we just want what's best for our league um, so yeah it is we're making decisions that none of us ever dreamed that we would have to make. I suppose you're in a, a, a different position from, from leagues higher up the pyramid because I, I'm assuming that there's a lot less money involved at, at your sort of level. Um, yes, up to a point. I mean, the, the clubs obviously are financially challenged at our level. They're, they're at the lowest because we was the, what well, was originally step seven, but we're now uh, a national feeder league. Um, there are there are clubs within us that do rely on um, on incomes. So yes, I am concerned for many of our clubs. I'm, I'm also equally concerned for leagues above this because they really do. And if they if if clubs there fold and uh, leagues are put under pressure, where are they going to get replacement clubs from? And I suppose as well, as well another thing is obviously supporters. Again, you. you Clubs in, in the Kent County League don't get as many supporters as those above. And I guess that does also mean that if restrictions are eased a little bit, it does make it easier for you to have a path back to football. Um, in some ways. It, it, there, was, there was a bizarre case uh, when the National League system weren't playing or they weren't allowed spectators, where our spectator numbers in some of our Premier Division games and Division 1 games were trebling and quadrupling. It was just unbelievable. But again, that threw different challenges out because on the local park, you've got groups of more than 30. It starts to get challenging for everybody for other reasons. I guess what, what one thing that might be, might be playing in your mind, I suppose, is you've got some very ambitious clubs in the league who, who would love to get higher up the pyramid. And I suppose if the scaffold go null and void, does that make 
anything that you would do different because you might not be playing for for actual promotion places, just more pride and a trophy? Um, yeah, they're, they're, these are one of the areas that does concern us greatly because obviously as a league, we want to promote uh, teams up through the system. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at ways of assisting many of our teams uh, to get through the system quicker, uh, to be in a better position so that they can uh, move on up higher if they want. I, I think that this, the gap between where we are at what was the old step seven and step six is a bit too large for many clubs, but we're going to try and look at ways of closing that gap to make it easier for them to get up through. But yeah, we, we don't know what's happening with the National League system at this point in time. And um, again, we're in touch with all parties. And as soon as we know more, we will be able to tell our clubs uh, where we stand. Yeah, I mean, as a show, we don't tend to, to cover the Kent County League too much, but mainly because we've got like six divisions ab above you. But from what I look at it, it's a fantastic league. Just like the leagues above you, have some high-scoring games. And obviously, there's some really good clubs in there. Well, absolutely. And, and, and uh, one of the things I can definitely say to you is, is that we're probably one of the few, um, if you want to use the term non-league grassroots leagues, that continues to grow. Um, I will not have problems with applications to fill spaces if we had any, and indeed we'd have a waiting list. So where, where some leagues are struggling to, to survive and they're cutting, cutting divisions down, we continue to be very strong and have an active list waiting to come into the league. And I suppose that shows just, just what good health the, the, the game is in Kent, doesn't it? Yes, um, uh, I, I am concerned overall, you know, in a, in a broader sense, that the, the men's 11-a-side game is not doing as well um, as it should do um, at this point in time. But there are probably many, many factors to take into account that's causing that. Um, but we, we, we certainly are not suffering ourselves as a league at this point in time. And I suppose just finally, obviously, we, we've talked about you'd love to get back to football. But the most important thing is that we, we turn the corner in terms of this virus and the infections and everything like that. Oh, without a doubt. Um, we, we've, I, I've written too many obituaries already and we've lost far too many of the um, family people who we would call the family of football. And um, our, our, my, my team and I, our policy, and we've said it to every club, is that no single game is worth one life. So we will, we will play when it is safe and well to do so and that, that we can get back to doing what we do best. Well, he was a nice fellow, wasn't he, Matt? Yeah, Again, we're always amazed about everybody who's put their hand in to run a league, probably in his own time. Um, feel a bit sorry for him. He hasn't seen a season out from there. But again, being proactive, asking the clubs, etc., like that. And, I like, and again, it's a good idea. We said we could have produced a load of fixtures and then clubs didn't want to play anyway. So I think it's really good that he's they're doing that. So I have to admire that and, and admire the um, dedication that goes into those levels and trying to improve clubs. Yeah, I mean, he did say what well, he did sort of want to set the record straight because a couple of people have put out the statement indicating that they definitely will restart football as soon as possible. Uh, but as he said there, he, he was very keen to to come across and say, no, actually, we just wanted to find out because we didn't want to waste everybody's time um, and we're going to wait and see. And and I thought it was an interesting point, you know, of, of the no promotion thing, because obviously they're mid-table at the moment, but Stay Plus Monarchs will feel twice they've been robbed of the opportunity to get promoted once on ground 
ground issues and then again last season because the season got finished early but there are some ambitious clubs in there I'm sure that there's a few teams who are looking thinking we'd love to get up into the scaffold we'd love to challenge and before I spoke to Gavin I was looking up the Kent County League a little bit and there's been some big names have come through that league in the last 15 years you know the likes of Cray Valley Hollands and Blair even Seven Oaks Town you know those teams have come through that system Punjab United were in that league and they went straight through scaffold one uh, into the Premier. Uh, Kennington were in it a couple of years ago. So there is ambition at, at that level. And absolute full credit to Gavin and everybody's involved there for keeping that league going, making it such a strong league. And I think in a way they're preparing these teams for the next steps up. Yeah, I've I, I, I never really thought about it until he said in his interview there that, yeah, we are preparing these clubs that they can try and move on. And I, and I admire that because it's probably very easy for them to think about, we'll have all these clubs in, we're quite happy with it. As long as they pay their money to us, we're a lead to go in. But they want to improve these clubs and have, and have a, a grounding to go with. And I think it was quite interesting what you said there. We've got plenty of clubs who want to join this level. So it must be a well-run, good level of football and the structure's in place for a lot of Kent clubs to come through, which is absolutely fantastic to see. And obviously they've got down to a Division 3 West. They've got a total of, what, seven divisions they're running. And although he said there, you know, perhaps it could be in slightly better shape, the uh, the, 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 the sport uh, or the 11-a-side game. But it shows that in Kent, although we may not have teams right at the very, very top, we've only got one football league club. We've famously only ever had two football league clubs. We made Maidstone right there for a little bit. But it does show that at grassroots level, Kent is so lucky with its football, isn't it? Uh, it, it? It's unbelievable. There's, you know, even the Sunday League, when you look at it, go to levels and there, there's leagues on leagues and leagues. So uh, people love the beautiful game and people like the Kent County League are really are the heartbeat of it all. And I admire that as well. And you could see what he said. I loved it when he said as well that when crowds couldn't go in the leagues above, people came to our football and they were quadrupling the gates and getting a lot of people in. So... People love watching football, whatever level it is. And the Kent County League will continue to do things like that. I have always said that, actually. I said that back at, back at the start, didn't I? If, you know, if, if they didn't have restrictions on certain levels of football, then people could be piling into your Chathams and your Sheppies, just desperate to watch uh, any old game of football. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. T- teams to watch in the, uh, in the Kent County League probably is Kings Hill, currently top of the Premier Division. Uh, they were Division 3 East champions in 2015, Division 2 East champions in 2016, Division 1 East champions in 2018, and now they're top in, in 2021. So I would imagine pretty soon they're going to be the sort of club that are going to be looking to get into the scaffold and and I hope that these clubs get the opportunity because we spoke to Luke Wallen didn't we about uh, who was manager of Staples Monarchs um, until that they didn't until the season ended and he's now at Snodland but there are people there who deserve that opportunity and, and I hope that the Kent County League sounds brilliant and I hope they can continue to give these clubs that grounding they need. All right perfect that, that's what the jobs are I didn't, as I say, I didn't really think about it in that way, but it gives a ground in how to run a club and they'll help them. And if they want to move clubs on, which they have done, they'll be willing to do that. So really good. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to Gavin. Um, and, and we may well speak to him again in the future because I thought that was a, a really, really excellent interview. What a what a nice fella he was. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, there's not a lot else going on, really, is there? Um, I'm going to predict you, John. Will this time next week, Will you say, yeah, will the Nash, Will we see in the Ebsleets going to Bath? I think it's Dartford v Welling as well. We'll look at yeah. my pictures. Do you expect the North and South to carry on? 
Yes. Uh, I've got no grounding to? for that. I've just said yes. Because they're forced to, or they'll be. Yeah, I think it'll money. be because they're because the the league are going to say you've got to play whether you like it or not. Um, so. uh, yeah, well, that's, well, let's wait and see. So, um, yes, the, the most important thing, you know, we say this: we've had, we've had 100,000 people dying. Let's hopefully we can, with the vaccine coming, my mum's getting her vaccine next week, that we can maybe move on um, and then talk, start talking about football. Because even though I, I love doing this podcast, pod John, um, it has been pretty dull without not. We haven't really talked about much football in the last year, have we? And, and that's no, and, and I do always feel bad because, you know, we are always talking about the football and what football there is. And, and you know, we try and keep it lighthearted because that's what we do. But, you know, we, we aren't daft. We know what's out there. We know what's happening. But we like to think this is just a little bit of an escape from it. So that's why we sort of continue while we keep going. So um, it's not that we're, that we're taking it lightly or anything like that. It's just literally, it's good for us to talk. It's good, hopefully good for you to listen to. So, um, yeah, apart from that, we're just watching telly. So uh, that's pretty much our lives. Um, been to watch the whole of the Bay uh, over the weekend. Have you, have you seen that? I can't remember if I watched the first one on that. I don't know if I have or not. But yeah, I recommended that. I've binge watched um, the investigation. All right, what's that? That's on BBC Two. It's a Danish one. You know, I like my Danish. Oh, gold. And, and that's a true story about some, which I remember the story, which is quite interesting. I enjoyed that. And I binge watched back as well the. Oh yeah. David Webb and Robert Mitch, yeah, Robert Mitchell, Robert Webb, David Mitchell thing before. It's it's okay, but it's no peep show. There you go. But um, I do like that from there. So that's quite entertaining. Um, apart from that. Uh, I've been working pretty hard and football uh, and going to bed early, really, at the moment. <laughs> There's nothing. I, well, I mean, we, we are recording this on Wednesday night. It's quarter to nine, and and let me tell you, ladies and gents, that's nearly Matt Joe's bedtime. It, it, I, straight after I finished here, I am going to bed. <laughs> so um, that is that is. Um, <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be as cool as Matt Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I do like. So that I probably listen to the football on the radio. Read me book. I, I have. I'm so sad. It is. I've ordered the crossword book, John, with football questions. Wow. That is how rock and roll I am. I thought rather than going to bed and looking at my phone, I should probably do something and try and um, improve my football knowledge. So this I am is probably a, a, a bad confession for a man in his 30s to be making, but I quite like um, doing puzzle books. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like the sort of variety of them all. So like there's, so I, I don't want to get, I think it's take a break puzzler maybe that I get. And like, he's got like loads of different things. It's got like, like loads and loads of different puzzles. And, and to be honest, during lockdown, uh, it's quite nice. You can just sit there. You don't have to focus on it too much. You can just have the telly on in the background and, and do whatever. And it's been quite a bit of a godsend, but I've nearly finished my, my current one. So I think I might have to buy another one. <laughs> There you go. So yeah, yeah. I think it's just something to maybe get your brain going and may calm you down because until the the, the light the evenings come in and it's get a bit lighter, it's yeah, it's not really that. There's nothing. There's not much to do this time of year, even if you can do something. But when you can't actually go out, it is pretty 
it's, it's a lot tougher this lockdown than the other one. I think, I think a lot of people are finding. I think we discussed that last week. Yeah, I think so because we used to just go and sit out in the in the garden and yeah. enjoy the sun. You can't do that at the moment. Oh, but exactly. it's really funny because Hayley said to me the other day. She said, "Oh, she said, in fact, she said it this afternoon as well. Oh, what are we going to do for Valentine's Day? I went, I think we'll have a night in, and then it's our anniversary on the fifth of March. And she said, well, what, what are you going to do on our anniversary? Probably have a night in, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's really tough. And obviously now they're saying that the schools are the priority, and they're not going back to at least the eighth of March. I can't um, see. Then. no so where does that leave us we're we're a long way away from being open but the the whole school thing is really making me laugh at the moment because you've got a load of people saying school's got to go back it's disgraceful blah 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 blah. oh the school's got to go back the schools the schools have to go back oh the school and then today the same people are saying well if the schools are going back on the 8th of march you've got to vaccinate the teachers so my po- my point on this always has been i'm not a parent i'm not going through the homeschooling but the schools are where the disease is or part of where the virus is spreading it doesn't matter that the young children are not susceptible to to really bad illness from it and i'm grateful that that's the case but your kid goes to school mixes with other kids and the the virus then comes home and goes around more houses you can see the spike in cases happened in september and october when the schools are open the cases are higher we've either got to manage that live with that or accept the fact that the schools are part of the problem and, and I get really fed up with people saying and I put this on my Twitter last night people saying well the eat out to help out campaign was a disaster and I beg anyone who feels that way to go and look at July and August and early September when eat out to help out was a big thing that helped businesses like mine get something out of the year it was you know we had a brilliant four months and eat out to help out helped that because people could go out and have something to eat and even despite that the cases never went up and everyone keeps saying, oh, well, you know, the pubs aren't safe. That's not true. Pubs, restaurants and places like that did every single thing they could. They took so many restrictions and I'm, I'm on the pulse around what was going on around here. And there were hardly any cases in pubs and restaurants in, in Eastbourne uh, or, or many places at all. And I just find it really frustrating that people say, well, that was a bad idea. No, it wasn't. It was a crucial way of helping businesses out through a really tough period. And we're the businesses that are going to be suffering this long, long into this year. And, you know, I, I'm already worried about June and July again, when we're, we're, we had a June or June was a complete wipeout last year. And, we, and businesses like mine are going to find it really, really hard. So we've got to find a solution to this. Whatever way that is, but people have, have got to make their mind up. They want the kids desperately to go back to school, but only if the teachers are vaccinated. Well, you can't have it both ways. If it's if the teachers don't need, to, if if the kids are, if it's that important the kids go back to school, then it should be safe. And it's not obviously not safe if that's the way they're talking about it. Yeah, from what I'm led to believe, from the people I know in the education, they're definitely not going back before Easter. There's nothing. They seem to be rushing these things. Hundred thousand in. We've got this roadmap from the 22nd. We commence in the 22nd of what we're going to do. From what we're led to believe from the experts, we could have another 40, 50,000 deaths. So, again, we're in this for the long run. Uh, the most important thing is people stay safe. So, uh, on that basis, and again, it's not fun homeschooling. So, but it is what it is. Yeah, and I'm finding as well, like people in supermarkets, I went to a supermarket yesterday. Uh, I was only in there five minutes. And honestly, the amount of people shopping in couples uh, and then blocking the aisle and giving you a dirty look when you stop and wait for them is unbelievable. 
like I was trying to leave the supermarket and someone was walking down, turned around and was walking around the middle of the aisle. There wasn't enough space for us both to walk past. So I stopped. What did I get? I got a filthy look for stopping and letting them go. And it's just like, what are you, spo- what are you supposed to do? The, the People are idiots, basically. And I'm finding them harder and harder to deal with. You still seeing people? Like I went to the supermarket this week, well, a little mini, mini market, what you call it, but it was packed because opposite the uh, the supermarket is the uh, vaccine clinic and there's a lot of old people there so a lot of people in the shop so after they had their vaccine so which is good from there but it's say i you know people say oh people aren't seeing them i very rarely see anybody without a mask in a shop no to see, so, yeah. yeah that is at least one positive i suppose yeah. Uh, but there you go anyway thank you everybody for listening to this week's show as I said earlier on uh, if you want to find us on Twitter you can do at Kent NL Podcast uh, on Facebook search for Kent Non-League I'm at John Phipps 81 on Twitter Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard and as I say if you if you like the show please tell someone make that your your mission this week tell someone who likes football uh, non-league football in Kent tell them about this show and see if they're listening to it and if not they might just enjoy it uh, thank you to all of our guests this week for joining us uh, four interviews we ended up with in the end uh, Oliver Ash uh, Gavin Hoare Jim Parmenter just a little bit of him and, and Wilder Haviland uh, thank you to all of those people for their time thank you to all of you for listening please keep safe uh, obey the rules let's try and get rid of this virus so we can actually go back to just talking about football and only football here on the Kent Only podcast hopefully next week we'll be able to just talk about football maybe Matt maybe yeah I want to talk about football it's just just it's 10 months of purgatory of getting nowhere John and I'm repeating <laughs> the same old stuff week in week out oh well, that's some good news make that two yo for one you know what that means uh no. Uh, well, I think, well, you never know. There you go. Have a good week, everybody. But yeah, just stay safe. And I haven't got anything to say at the end now, John. So just. Well, you think something, because I'm just going to say now, I'm literally just going to say thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast. Yep. And I don't know what to say. I've got, I've, I'm all said out with my comments. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll all be sorted. <laughs> there you go.